I think maybe there's a question also about in the community and, uh, about how we can embed sensors and and material. And sometimes we have example like any conductive polymer can work simultaneously as a sensor and actuator at the same time. So how do you see this kind of integration sensors in in the material so that you can detect any kind of maybe uh, scenario of maybe damages or maybe any kind of scenario expectance of robotics? How do you see this kind of integration for embodied intelligence in the material? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a really promising avenue. I think if you can incorporate whether it's you know one sensor that can do multiple detection modes or if it's multiple sensors that work together to enable multiple detection modes i think you know having the ability to know the state of the system with these sensors is is really important and so that could be you know what is the the current shape of the system or you know, what is the current damage uh, scenario that the system may be under? Or even, you know, what is, what is it touching? Is, is your material in contact with, with something? And, and I think, you know, what's pretty interesting about that scenario is that when you're touching something, that can lead to a deformation in your material. And if you touch it potentially hard enough or if it's an adverse surface, that can potentially result in damage in your system. So there, there becomes this potential for convolution where you, know, you might be touching something uh, which leads to a deformation or the deformation might be induced by an actuator in the system. So I think you know, the ability to, to reconcile the different kinds of deformations or contacts or damage events that we have is, is non-trivial. And I think it does, you know, open up a lot of interesting questions about how many sensors do you need? Should they be distributed in, in certain ways? And then how can they work together to tell you, you know, the, the full state of a system, which I think to this point has been um, lacking where, you know, maybe we combine one or two kinds of sensors together, but that doesn't necessarily, if you were to, you know, drop this robot in a dark box, and, and have it perform different tasks, you may not actually know what it's doing um, with just one or two sensors. And how do you see the intelligence so far for smart material? If we speak about already the material that can actuate and descend at the same time, how do you see the potential behind this material? What limitation do you think uh, maybe we have to focus on? Yeah, so I think the potential of, of integrating, you know, sensing with actuation uh, is, is really important. And in terms of, you know, what we might need in terms of what might, you know, be the kind of intelligence of that system, I think it kind of boils down to, you know, the ability to acquire that signal or, or response and then analyze it and then take those two together and then do something with it. So kind of deploy that knowledge. And, you know, to me, I think that with sensors, you know, we can acquire that. I think that we can also generally uh, deploy that, but in terms of, you know, having all soft matter systems that can analyze and, and bridge the connection between acquiring and doing something, I think that's kind of the missing link. And, and I think that's where a lot of, you know, very interesting questions emerge, where, you know, one of the primary ones in my mind, at least, is, you know, do we want to 
build all of the analysis into the materials? Or can we take the sensors and the actuators and then couple that with you know, modern computing and, and sensing? I think I'm curious to ask you this question as well, because that's a question we have in the podcast about about the controller uh, for the smart material. And we have witnessed sometimes controller destroy the natural dynamics if you force the material to behave in certain behavior. And as a side, uh, some researchers don't agree with that. They think that you can maybe design modular controllers so that you can specify the significant uh, parts that you want to control. And uh, I think that's the concept we had with the, uh, when one of our guests to say that nonlinearity in the material and the structure could be uh, uh, beneficial for the soft robot. And you don't have to need to use a controller. He, he, he doesn't think that controller is really, uh, yeah, it's just limiting, limiting the capability of soft robots. So he wants to say that, that we can uh, maybe uh, explore more what could be the beneficial nonlinearities in the material and also the structure itself. But still, yeah. the missing question is how we can access this nonlinearities because it's a question about how we can get rid of the non-desired uh, deformation, and that's of course been the pattern on the in the sensor. But the question here: How do you think about this question, and how we can access this kind of beneficial nonlinearities, for example? Yeah. So you know, the broad question I think you know again is. You know, do we want the materials to make the decisions or do we want some kind of controller or computation to make the decisions? And, you know, I can see benefits to both. I, to, in my mind, I think that, you know, that's still a, a good open question. I, I can imagine some scenarios where, you know, you, you can kind of hamper the dynamics of, of the materials if you try to control it too hard. Um, but at the same time, you know, at least where we're at now, I don't think that we can build in all the different sorts of actuation or sensing scenarios uh, into the material itself without, um, I think, losing some opportunities. So in my mind, that's an open question. And in, in regards to the nonlinearities, I think that's, you know, something that is, is definitely present in these soft robots. And whether that's you know, nonlinearities and the material properties. So, you know, at least when you're, you're sort of taught about, you know, material science or, or engineering mechanics, you know, we always deal with linear elasticity uh, early on. And, and that's, that's great. That's worked well for a lot of materials, especially metals and ceramics. But when you get into polymers and, and definitely when you get into elastomers, you know, the deformations are no longer small. And that leads to these, you know, large nonlinearities in the materials. And, and that, I think, um, is something that it certainly can, can be improved still, where oftentimes, you know, we, we still assume kind of linear elastic responses, but there's definitely a lot more once these systems become highly deformed. And, you know, the, the kind of compounding problem with this, too, is that not only do the materials become nonlinear, but the structures can also become nonlinear. And, and I do think that that nonlinearity, whether that's like a, a buckling event in the structure or, or maybe even a snapping event, which can lead to kind of locomotion, I think there's a lot of you know, really great opportunities there because, again, with the soft materials, we can actually 
you know, undergo these, these buckling deformations, but then because they're soft and reversible, they can actually go back to their kind of undeformed state. So that presents all kinds of interesting opportunities to, to incorporate nonlinearities into materials or into the structure to get, you know, a very dynamic deformation or maybe even an, an amplification in the forces that we need. So it's, it's definitely something that, you know, we're thinking about and I know the community is thinking about, and, and I think there's a lot of, you know, great opportunities there.